0: Came up on that Portsmouth shit. Uptown, downtown, Thank y'all for tuning in to Surviving Portsmouth. Today we have Norcom alumni, former basketball player. While there received a couple of All Eastern districts, all tide water Went and played college basketball and professional basketball. He's currently the founder and CEO of Green Hope Foundation, Incorporated. Deshaun Green. All right, man. So before we go into it, man, let's start talking about your organization, man. Let the um, viewers know how and what is Green Hope.
1: Um. Well, it got started. How it got started, just... One day, me and Nick Wright, shout out to Nick Wright, um, played with ODU. He also have a nonprofit called Right Path Outreach Incorporated. And just one night, it had to be like 1, 2 in the morning, man. We were just thinking of, like, just how can we serve our people? How can we get other young black men or other young kids in general just, like, that outlet and that voice to be successful? And I'm like, boy, my last name, I want to be able to get that back to my son, Just give the people hope. So mm-hmm. it came about just green hope. And the acronym for hope is just helping others progress efficient. I just want to help others progress efficient and use that in basketball terms. As far as, like, you want to be 10 for 10 rather than 2 for 10. So mm-hmm. just helping other people progress and be sufficient out here.
0: And I, I personally love that idea because, like, growing up, we had people that looked out for us. But I can't really remember you no know, organizations unless you play like Pop Warner or you played AAU. I can't really think of an organization that really came back and helped the community.
1: Yeah, true.
0: So like um the things that you, Nick, um, shout out to Finney um family. Yeah,
1: shout out to Doe. Yeah, they definitely and that was a that was an inspiration too. Like just seeing them do that and um to piggyback off what you're saying, Nick. I wanted to, I was mentioning to him, like, hey, I want a man being a director, you know what I'm saying, executive, to help him out. He was like, no, nah, the way God go do it, he go bless you to have yours. And within six months of me and my master's program, bro, mm-hmm. something clicking in my brain, and it all started. <laughs> well, sure. Shout out to Dodo. That definitely was an inspiration.
0: Well, I mean, you know, everything happened for a reason, and everybody put on earth for their own purpose. And as you can see, this your purpose right here. Yeah. Um sure. so man, let's get started, man. What do Portsmouth mean to you? Um Porsum mean everything to me. That's my
1: motivation to keep in mind not to go back, not go back there to support and help out, but not get trapped in what could have been like my only outlet. Mm-hmm. Like Porsuma, it just means everything to me as far as the good, the bad, whatever came with it. Like that would make me Edwin Deshaun Green. My actual first name is Edwin. My yeah. mom always just called me Deshaun <laughs> and
0: whatnot. But that would made me me. And most people don't know that, man. Like you if they don't know, they don't know Edwin. They don't people know, know Deshaun. They know Deshaun. Wild thing. Yeah, Wild Thing. All right. Some so people we, don't know Deshaun, they just know Wild Thing. <laughs> yeah. So we, we go get to Wild Thing, but what part of Portsmouth you from? Um, Downtown Portland. All right, and with downtown, old downtown. Yeah, old downtown, Washington Park, Audubon. Okay, Mm -hmm. and um, Washington Park Audubon is currently tore down. Um, Yeah,
1: currently tore down. Yeah, they got tore down around like
0: two thousand, two thousand one. Mhm. So once you move from there, what um part of Portland did you move to? I moved uptown, Yorkshire.
1: Well, it's now Mollet Cove, I believe. Yeah, but Yorkshire.
0: <laughs> yeah, I still call it Yorkshire. Even my mom stayed out there, man. It's it's that's the name. Like you grew up to yeah. that name, so you understand, yo. This Yorkshire. This Yorkshire. If, you,
1: right, so- if you know Yorkshire, you know.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. So so, growing up, like, how was Portsmouth? Like, how did you view Portsmouth growing up? Um, as a kid, I grew up thinking Portsmouth was like
1: fun, exciting. And it was a little bit of like cold hearted because mm-hmm. at a young age, I'd already seen gun violence early, I'd already witnessed and seen like close friends and stuff getting killed, getting like going to jail, whether it's New Directions or TDH or something like that. So mm-hmm. like, it's, it's so many adjectives I can put on it, man. But like Portsmouth shoot is one of them like Baby Sharat, Baby Compton,
0: mm-hmm.
1: Baby Miami, Baton Rouge type things, and like little Boots, I believe. Like that's where you from, right? Baton Rouge. Yeah. And I just feel like when people view those, they, they view it as like all negative. But as you can see, people like Nipsey Hussle, when they become on them big platforms, you can see the good in it or whatnot. So you'll have people like Dodo, Vernon, you me and other young black successful man to make it out and able to tell our story. And it's more so like, shoot, witnessing it as a kid, you know what I'm saying? You'll be traumatized, but it also give you motivation. Like, I want to eventually have kids and I don't want them to grow up like this. Or Mm -hmm. growing up as a kid, I know we used to improvise and like take what we was given and make the best of it. and we was always handed the bottom end of the stick and we always you know what I mean. Yeah. We almost we always prevailed.
0: Like facts. I know um me and Quentin was talking, man, and one thing he had described Portsmouth, he was like, Man, we know how to um survive in any kind of atmosphere, any, any environment. environment. You put us somewhere we know how to survive. For sure. For sure. Um, yeah. So growing up, man, you seeing you seeing this stuff, man, did did it seem like this was normal? Like you just thought this was everyday, everyday life. At first I didn't know, man, true story. At first I didn't know
1: like it wasn't normal at first, but then when you like actually still see it, still see it, like social media is big now, camera phones and stuff big now. But back in 98, 99, I was eight, nine years old, and I witnessed the police. Shooting at one of my uncles and like he was unarmed. You feel me? Like this was our Washington Park and that right there. I just knew morally, it won't it don't supposed to be like that. You get what I'm saying? Cause it was yeah. kids outside and all that stuff. So like I just feel like it became normal. I knew it won't supposed to be normal, but it became normal. Like gunshots at two, three in the morning didn't used to scare me. You know what I'm saying? Playing outside and you hear gunshots, you ain't really. Being frightened by it. like, of course you frightened because you don't want to get hit by a straight bullet, but it wasn't no fear. Where oh, this is my first time hearing it, and oh, who got shot? Y'all, the only thing you know is, is somebody go get caught for it. Like yeah. you knew, like you knew somebody. It was gonna be the funeral and all that, but was justice go get served? Like right. and all the, and all that became normal. Like okay, you know somebody got killed. but nine times out of ten, the street code ain't nobody go snitch. So there's mm-hmm. another family hurt, you know what I'm saying, by senseless murder
0: or something that could have been avoided. Right. All right, so man, you growing up, man, you seeing, you seeing this violence, you seeing this shooting, you seeing drugs, you seeing things that people look at and be like, oh my God. But we look at it as like our everyday normal stuff. How were you able to avoid that? Um, With basketball, sports, shout out to my mama. Mm-hmm. Um, since the age of
1: five, six years old, like, I've been in sports. Shout out to my um cousin, which we grew up as brothers, Melvin. He's mm-hmm. three years older than me, so he was already, by the time I was four, he was seven, so he was pretty much already into sports, baseball, basketball, football, and if you're living in the same household with a sibling, you know the other sibling will be playing sports, too, so my mom just, like, installed, you go go out here and I'm gonna put you in as many sports, and whichever one like you really grab on to, we just go stick with it. And that basically just kept me out a whole wide world of trouble. Which I want no perfect kid, but had I not had any type of extracurricular activity, ain't no telling where I would have been that honestly. Mhm. All
0: so right. I- so so basketball, basketball, and wild thing. <laughs> T- tell us about the name Wild Thing.
1: Um, when you think of something wild and you put it into a sports perspective, the first word I can think of is like uncoordinated. Not like, I was a good basketball player, but I was uncoordinated. Um, my coach, one of my AAU coaches, Coach Pebbles, he used to say, I'm hell when I'm well, but I stay sick all the time. <laughs> <Man>. <laughs> but another analogy um, with that, he was saying I couldn't walk and chew gum at the same time. So yeah, he was saying, like, I'm very, very good. But since I was young, uncoordinated, like, I was already 11, 12 years old, like, close to, like, 6 foot or something like that, wearing, like, a mm-hmm. size 12 13 shoe and stuff. So, like, I had to get my coordination and stuff right. And, like, I just had that tenacity, that that hunger to outwork the next person. So on the court, I was that person that dived on the floor, you know what I'm saying, if I need to bowl somebody just to get the crowd Mm-hmm. Lit or
0: whatnot to get
1: our fans before. Which you did. You did. <laughs> hey, look. I get, my Charles, get my Charles Barkley on some <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> So, like, it just, like, it was just installed with me. And little Ed, shout out to little Ed. His daddy was just like, man, that boy, wow. And they just started saying, like, he a wild thing, mm-hmm. <laughs> And it just stuck. Like, and I had that name since, like,
0: seven years old. Yeah. And, and it stuck with you to this day. To this day. Um, so let's fast forward to high school. Mm. You, you come to Norcom. What was Norcom like to you when you got there?
1: Man.
0: Shout out to I Norcom, man. That's the best high school in the world. In the
1: world. <laughs> in the world, man. What My first year, my first year at Norcom, it was already exciting because I was coming on a basketball program. They already had future NBA players, future um, top level college players. Like, and even on the smaller scale, seven out of uh, 10 players made first between first team, all water, the first team, all Eastern district, second team, mm-hmm. all Eastern district. So like, it was exciting just on the sports side, but, just the tradition that Norcom has. And I was consumed by it too, you know what I'm saying? Like wearing nice clothes, you know what I'm saying? Like cute girls, mm-hmm. like um, like the band was nice, the football team, you know what I'm saying? The atmosphere, like- Like a college. Like, like a college, like it, it was like an HBCU. Like granted, I ain't never been to an HBCU, but I felt like I've been to an HBCU by going to IC Norcom. <laughs> Like it's straight, was a like black little small black community college,
0: yeah. Um, I, I was talking to De Carlos earlier, and he was mentioning when he got to Norcom, it was straight neighborhood gangs. you had to be in something. Oh, yeah, it was definitely that, too. It was definitely you wanted sometimes you wouldn't think it
1: was a school. Mm-hmm. Like, Sometimes you want to think, it was, like, me personally, from 2004 to 2008, the four years I was there, I didn't seen, like, no you know what I'm Statue of Limitations, let me throw that out there. I didn't seen people that have sold drugs and stuff like that, and, like, they, they don't even belong in the school at you all. Get what I'm <laughs> at all. Yeah. So, like, like, it was kind of, like, it was safe because, again, it's the norm for me. Like, if I know somebody who do that stuff, like, I, don't, I ain't condoning to it. But when you see it, it's normal. So you ain't go call no security because, you know, they ain't doing no harm. At the most, it's probably somebody on cannabis or, or something like that, and which I'm not condoning to it. But again, that was the but norm. But it was just how it was. You feel me? Like, that's just how it was. So it's like, man, it was like the babe, like, it won't, like, sometimes you couldn't tell it was whether high school, college, or you were just going to school, getting education, but inside of that, you'll get consumed very fast. (laughs) Like, you can get, if you don't know what you, like, if you don't know what your goals are, if you was going to Northam, if you ain't really had no found vision of what you wanted to do, you can definitely get consumed fast with games, trying to fit in, Mm -hmm. trying to um, paint a facade, yeah, like a lot of people can paint a facade to make sure they fit in, so they won't get bullied or so they won't get peer pressure into doing something. So, like if you if you ain't already had and grew up in that type of environment, coming to Northam from a different city or coming to Northam from like the suburb parts of Portsmouth, like you can definitely get consumed by the culture and how fast people
0: from different neighborhoods went to that school, how they was living. All right. Um how would you able to distance yourself? Cause regardless if you played sports, if you was honest, if you was whatever you was, it wasn't hard to get sucked in there. Like yeah, not, association not with people. Like, how would you able to keep a narrow path? Because like a lot what a lot of people don't know is like they be like, yo, that's a wild thing, wild thing, crazy or whatever. But then you look at you and you graduate with honors.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, you know, what I'm <laughs> know you knew that, bro. <laughs> yeah. So like man, I peep,
0: I peep a lot of stuff though. Yeah. Like um, <laughs> like how was how would you able to differentiate what you wanted to do but still be able to be loyal to people that you might associate with?
1: Um honestly man, in high school it was kind of hard. It was kind of challenging. I ain't gonna say it was hard, but it was it was definitely kind of challenging cuz growing up in it when i became a certain age and had a little freedom to do certain things i, w- I was consumed at one point you get what i'm saying like mm-hmm. when i was supposed to probably have been in the gym i was probably out um learning notes shooting dice or something like that you get what i'm saying like being yeah. able to because i ain't saying like my mom and stuff were broke but she was a single mom so it was points out there I, I had to go like get my own money like mm-hmm. I wanted Jordans. I wanted Azuri. I wanted academic and stuff like that. So instead of waiting, I just, like, I see it and, like, it was close to me, so instead of selling drugs, I'm like, hey, gambling, you know what I'm saying? I thought it was cool, you know what I'm saying? Like, then you making money or what, and I thought it was cool, but it won't cool when you start, like, seeing people get shot over or you seeing Mm -hmm. fights over or, like, you're seeing people losing their, like, rent money and stuff over it. Like, you're seeing people losing, like, <laughs> like, like, it's an addiction, like, crack type deal. Like, mm-hmm. like it's just crazy. But as far as so for me personally, I um, I wouldn't say I was on a narrow road with it. But if it weren't for sports, I would have been fully consumed with it. Like, by the time, it went to my junior, senior year when I, like, became – Locked in, I'm like, boy, I want to go to college. I want to really try to make it to the NBA. I want to really try to go overseas, et cetera, et cetera. I want to be a businessman, an entrepreneur. And then with that right there in the back of my brain, it was certain things that I just wasn't doing no more. Like, mm-hmm. of course, I was still a wild thing. Or, again, it was the normal. If somebody disrespect you, you go disrespect them back. It was a dog-eat-dog mm-hmm. world. So my morals was correct but my my flesh won't. like yeah, if we want to yeah. talk about like the spirit, my flesh won't because I wanted to do what my friends was doing. I felt like they was doing something exciting and I felt like at the time, I'm already good enough with basketball. I wish I had been in the gym than rather going to parties and stuff like that. I wasn't even 18 yet up in the peppermint and stuff like that. You get what I'm saying? So yeah. it's like, I say this, when, when my mom and them used to be like, well, stay a kid while you can, and how I tell my son now, like, stay a kid while you can, like, I wish I would have just still, like, stayed a kid and not been exposed to some of that stuff. Because mm-hmm. being exposed to some of that stuff, everybody don't got the mind and the brain power to get on that narrow path. Like, some people, they fall off that narrow path, they stay off, you know what I'm saying? They stay off it and they can't come back, you know what I'm saying? And it, yeah. it's hard to, Like it's hard to, like my fiance just told me, she said, um, it's 21 days that like really fits a habit. You get what I'm saying? And a lot of people, like 21 days is a long time. Like you look at what's going on in this world now, like it's hurting people. It ain't been over 21 days, but it's hurting people with this quarantine stuff. Mm -hmm. And the people that you see that still like not really obeying the laws and stuff like that, a 10 or more. Like, it's a habit. You get what I'm saying? Like, it's really hard to break a habit. They make and do it for seven days. They make and do it for 14 days. They make and do it for 18 days. So that 21-day mark it's really hard to, like, break that habit. So back to, like, just what you're saying, man. It's just, like, it was challenging. Because, like, Portsmouth itself, like, we talking about Portsmouth. It's, like, you can go that any project, you'll see a dice game. Like, you can go to any project, it'll be a bootlegger. You can go to any project, it will be like, some type of function that, that will grab you in as a teenager that you'll think cool at the time or whatnot, mm-hmm. not thinking, oh, this can cause your life. You may thinking you just chilling, having a good time, but how poor some of it is, you can be talking to somebody to just kill somebody or rob somebody the next day. Mm-hmm. And the wrong person, they may kill both of y'all just how you say guilty by association. You know what I'm saying? Me yeah. personally, I haven't, I never been in like no bloods or crips with me and my homeboys. Like, we didn't have like groups. You know what I'm saying? Like, you didn't have white Nick, Oats Goonies. You know what I'm saying? Which, yeah. <laughs> like, shout out, like, shout out to all my childhood friends, man. Yeah. Like, thought it was cool. We won't, it was a brotherhood. I wouldn't even say a gang. Like, mm-hmm. it was more so a brotherhood. Like, Bad boys alive. You ride together, you die together. Like even though I play sports, morally and by the code, cause it was norm, I can't sit there and let my friend fight, and I don't fight or he getting jumped, and I don't like hop in it or whatnot. And those are things I'm talking about. When if your mind ain't prepared, like oh, you got this scholarship that you about to lose if you go do this right here. You go shoot guns and all this stuff right here. So being a leader. I had to tap into that leadership role, and sometimes I had to tell my homeboys, like, nah, I don't think we should go to this party and let God protect this. We not go to the party, but it ended up being somebody getting shot or something like that, or somebody being killed.
0: Mm-hmm. One of my
1: homeboys in college, he went to, um, I want to say with Blakely's back then, he had a um, professional basketball um,
0: contract and again, shot in the knee. Yeah. Boom, like. Done. Done. <laughs> yeah all right, so you said your junior senior year that's when you locked in knowing that you wanted to go to college, try to make it to the league, go overseas or whatever. What moment changed for you to have that mindset? Um I was actually out of Dale's home,
1: and I had probably not witnessed, but I didn't. I was around like, I want to say like my third killing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It was like around my third killing, and I ain't gonna like disclose no names or like none of that stuff like that, but like I was too close to somebody getting killed. <laughs> like I was less than six, five feet away from like somebody like getting shot and like they dying and stuff like that. It was actually me and one of my best friends, Terrell with me and him, and like from that point on, I'm like certain things i can't do certain things i can't be in certain places like like it's when i when you be like too close to death like how g herbo said like that ptsd like even though you ain't in the army and stuff like that that's real it, like that stuff real man because when i was true story like when i was like actually still living in portsmouth and still like going to parties and all that stuff. Like, I used to have dreams, you know what I'm saying, that, like, I'm the one getting killed sometimes. You get what I'm saying? So, mm-hmm. like, that joint clicking your head, and then when you making your own platform as far as on the basketball scene, everybody watching you. I'm six seven, so, like, I can't go nowhere. It ain't hard to spot you. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? So, it's like a wild thing. Deshaun, like, oh, he hanging with them guys. Like, they smoking weed. Like, they look like drug dealers and stuff like that. And which, like, me personally, like, just because I hang with somebody, like, that don't mean they're, like, initially a bad person. Like, mm-hmm. just because somebody, like, look at Jeezy, look at T.I., look at Jay-Z. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, look at all those guys, and they successful black men. Of course, everybody go have a past, but even they pass don't mean they are violent criminals. Like, mm-hmm. like um man, I can just go on and on about it, man, but it's yeah. just, like. That was the time like seeing like more than one, more than two murders and stuff like that, close, close by me. That would made me um lock in. That was 2016. I was becoming a junior that summer. And I was like, I got I felt like I got jerked in my sophomore year, you know what I'm saying? Like with like some stuff that went on before I was on the court. So I was just locked in, I was focused, and I felt like it played out because not only was we, we had a winning season, but I made first team all Eastern District, you know what I'm saying, average, a double-double. I want to say out of – if it was an 18-game season, 24-game season, I probably had 16, 17 double-doubles, you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying. So, like, that it, – it it triggered in my brain, like, you're an athlete, you're a student athlete, like, you're not no game banger, you're not no drug dealer, you like, you're not a thug, even if you try to label you a thug because – you hanging with so-called thugs that they label, that don't make you a thug or whatnot. So, like, it just triggered for me, and I just became, like, focused, man. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just became focused then. Like, my grandma and stuff, like, she had got sick and all that going into my senior year. Like, she died the day, the week before we were about to play Booger T for our first game. So, like, that right there just – like triggered something else into me, you know what I'm saying? With still being from Portsmouth, because like, you gotta think, we advanced high schoolers now, and we already know that Portsmouth is labeled like a bad city, Portsmouth labeled for being like ratchet, this and that. Well, I wanted to change this um the statistics. So I'm like, I'm about to lock in again and put the city on my back. Like, do mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? I'm gonna I'm try this avenue. I've been seeing my cousins, my brothers and them, going this route, you know what I'm saying, going this avenue, but eventually it ain't been working. You know what I'm saying? Like it's either incarceration or death, no, you know what I'm saying. Like it's it ain't it's a high risk of like something bad happening. So I just wanted
0: to go the right path, go legit and just keep grinding. Uh-huh. Go. Okay. So let let's move forward to college. You go to college. How how was the transition from Portsmouth to Mount Olive, right? Yeah, yeah, Mount Olive. How how was the transition? Man, that was hard. Mhm. I
1: was in Mount Olive, North Carolina, and like for the people who don't know who Mount Olive, where Mount Olive, North Carolina, at is in the surrounding areas of like, excuse me, of um, Raleigh, ECU, mm-hmm. um. Wilmington and stuff like that, but it's slow. Like like Portsmouth and like Norfolk and stuff, people from New York may think like Virginia is slow, but going down to the South and where well, you got to go 30 minutes to go to a Walmart or a Piggly Wiggly or something like that. Yeah. And a young kid is used to just hopping on a bike and can ride 15, 20 minutes to the next project or a phone call away, go meet up with one of my friends or something like that. Like, the transition was hard. Then, it was, I felt like, a little, like, racist down there in them North Carolina parts or whatnot. So, a young black man coming with hair, I like jewelry. So, I had like, Fronts like even my senior pictures, <laughs> um, my senior pictures in high school, I took them with my goals and stuff in. Yeah, <laughs>
0: they
1: were laughing at me. They knew they were. I ain't no telling what the people taking the picture were probably saying. But like when I walked in, there, I told them, i like, I got a white, robe gold tassel. So no matter how y'all may view me or y'all perception of me, I'm a smart young black man, and I plan on being successful. But mm-hmm. like the transition down there to um, Mount Olive was definitely. It was hard because I ain't really know nobody, and Portsmouth gave me an attitude where it was survival. So like sometimes I caught myself like in survival mode in certain situations or whatnot. Like even mm-hmm. still, like different altercations and stuff I didn't got in with people and not knowing how to effectively communicate, you know what I'm saying? My thoughts or whatnot, and from where we from, the only communication we know how to like portray it sometimes with our hands, you know what I'm saying? Like we didn't yeah. get in an argument, like we'd just rather use our hands than actually communicate and using our words and stuff like that. So like it was the, it was the culture. It was the, like the fast pace going to the slow pace. Then it was on the basketball side, I was academically red shirting or whatnot because with, with the clearing house and all that stuff, if you go division two, it don't fluctuate with your ACT scores and what your grade point average was. It fluctuates. With, if you go to a D2 school, you got to get like that 820 mm-hmm. on your um, SAT. And then the ACT, which it was a 17, I believe. I got a I got a 15 on my ACT and I got a 818 on my SAT. So I, had to, uh, I missed both on by two points. So I had the academically red shirt. So playing all this basketball, this fast life then God just like, now that I know God just had me on a stop and I just had to practice, 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 practice and couldn't get any games, but it wasn't my ability. But it was, I felt like going back to when I took those SATs, now that I'm looking back on it, I went to parties both times before my SATs. You get what I'm saying? Like in the house, yeah. I ain't probably ain't get in the house till like two, three in the morning or whatnot. Like, mm-hmm. Thinking that was cool, but the whole time, had I been focused back then and like really took it serious, ain't no telling. I probably would have won D1. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. To be
0: honest with you, like, ain't no telling why I would have won. And it's crazy because, like, for my SATs, I did the same thing. Mm-hmm. I took, um, I ain't gonna never forget, I took my SAT after homecoming. And we had one homecoming, my mom was out of town. It was a party and everything. I ain't mm-hmm. get home till like four, then had to get up to go to church Churchland to take my SAT. So I wasn't prepared when I wanted to take it. I just took it because I knew I signed up for it and I knew I needed it to go to college. Now, after you red shirted, how was your basketball career there? Um, My basketball career, it was, you know what I'm saying? i, I
1: say it was pretty good, but I believe it could have been a lot greater because I still won't mature enough to conduct myself in a positive manner all the time or on a consistent basis. Far as with um, the rules, like you got to be the um, workouts at six a.m. Sometimes I be the six oh five, six oh three. Like even though, like walking in, you know what i saying? I was, I wasn't. It wasn't triggering that I'm not in high school. I'm not the man no more. And like in high school, like it's. 12 other demands that was actually there at the school. So I was still like transitioning to a real, like a real like grown man. You get what I'm saying? Cause when you in college, you by yourself, you don't got mom and daddy to wake you up for classes. So if you ain't like taking it serious, you ain't setting no alarm clock, you ain't like eating right. Like it's gonna show on the court. So. Again, wild thing always stuck with me because I already had that grit for me. Far as on the basketball court, but a lot of my problems I felt like was transitioning to the court that didn't have nothing to do with the court. Like mm-hmm. I maybe go out and where we from, like somebody bumpers or somebody like probably we thought purposely stepped on our shoes or something. Yeah. Like what? Like we're definitely like let them know like what they did and. Depending on how they react or how they respond, again, it was the normal for us. And we don't tolerate disrespect, like, yeah. by how we was growing up. So a lot of those things that would transpiring off the court, it transitioned on the court in which I may have to, like, sit out the first half or I may have to sit out, on um, like, practice or get switched back to the non-starting team and stuff like that but um yeah man it was just pretty much man, like all off the court stuff but um on the court shoe i was basically on oh, my bad bro i good. was i was basically um shoe. i was the i was the guy that if i get in the game the intensity will automatically go up 100% Mm -hmm. like probably 110 percent so I was still a lot of my numbers a lot of games it wasn't um like on paper you couldn't see it on paper but if you ever watch the game you'll see when I'm in the game it's like I'm doing my role and I'm doing it well because it was like roles or whatnot so I was a Mm -hmm. freshman and I ain't really had a green light like I did but when I was in the game my efficiency rating and whatnot like it was it was good and that would made me make the hope and the E efficient because that would learn efficiently. Even if you ain't playing 28 minutes, if you play 13 productive minutes, like you did your job. Yeah. Like in 13 minutes, I could have like 20 points. I I always told myself if I get five offensive rebounds, that's 10 points. Give Mm -hmm. and take, it may be an and one. If I get three different – three defensive rebounds, that's – Ten points, eight rebounds, and I always looked at myself as a double double, which as far as my personal goals. But I'm I'm the am a team player, and I do whatever it takes to for the team to win. So pretty much, I was that Draymond Green, that mm-hmm. um who who else a, a type player to just do all the dirty work? Um, Scottie Pippen, Dennis Rodman. You get what I'm saying? I was yeah. all those guys with a jump shot. I feel like. Even to this day, my jump shot probably better than Draymond Green's, you know what I'm saying? All right. So but like I, I pretty I had a shoot in far as team wise out of the four years of playing, we won three regular season championships, um, yeah. two tournament championships, and we made it to the sweet sixteen twice, I believe. Yeah. So like overall, we overall our team we was like
0: top ten in the um nation for division two. Okay. All right. So you went college, man.
1: And we never lost to an uh, HVCU team either. All right.
0: Yeah, we. Like, so, <laughs> like, so <laughs> you went college. What was, what was it like? How did you view Portsmouth when you went home and the mindset of yours versus? Family members or friends that was at home.
1: Um, some people don't change. Mm-hmm. Like some people weigh, some people still like stuck in the box. Like because yeah. if you don't experience nothing outside of Portsmouth or outside of, I say the Hampton Roads, Virginia area, yeah. like you can get consumed and like you can get trapped there. And it's a it's a big world out here. Like it's right. a very big world out here, and I think. I think, like, my grandma and my mom every day for introducing me to, like, football and basketball, for sure, because going to bowl games to, like, North Carolina, mm-hmm. going to different places for championship games and stuff. Then you meet people, you're seeing stuff. As a kid, when you get older, you're like, I want to come back and visit that place or something. Mm-hmm. And when you go back home, it's like when you're having a conversation with somebody and your lingo different, meaning you may be talking about, I just learned this new skill in college. And I think after college, this may be like a way I can make some money, but somebody else may be over here talking about trying to finesse or still trying to scheme to get back. And you know what I'm saying? Like that's right there. You're like, oh yeah, like he's still on the same thing or she may still be on the same thing. Even if it's a family member, maybe it can probably can be your best friend. You know what I'm saying? But if they mind frame that right, Nine times out of ten, like, no matter what you say to them, no matter what inspirational words or no matter what they see you doing, if they consume and trap, if they can't see it for their stuff, you can't, um like, you won't be able to help them or not even help them. You won't be able to, like, have a productive conversation with them because it's going be to be a blockage. Yeah. It, it's going to be a blockage. They ain't going to be able to see your vision or they ain't going to be able to see, like, the mind frame you own, it may be good to them, as far as them hearing it, but they may not receive it because they not in your shoes and they don't see themselves living outside of Portsmouth or living outside of Virginia or living outside of, um, like they barriers or not even just living somewhere. They don't even see themselves even going to, even trying to a community college or to get their associate's degree or taking up a trade or something. Some people just content with what the system got for them. And me personally, I don't think like that's the right mind frame. I feel like to be fully free, you got to be financially free and you got to be able to have your mind prepared to take on all those tasks that it takes for you to be successful. And it's sometimes it takes for you to become an entrepreneur. Sometimes it takes for you to learn a game so you can build your own game or whatnot. Like mm-hmm. if you're a financial aid worker and you down the line, you want to open up your own financial aid office, assistant, families, and people like that. Like, of course you gonna have to do that nine to five just to learn the game. And sometimes yeah. people that smart and can learn on fast, the way they got it now, everything on Google, everything yeah. on YouTube, YouTube. You know what I'm saying? Everything is, like, out there, so you don't even necessarily got to go to school. But to piggyback off what you were saying, when I transitioned back home, how we having any conversations now, even back then, me and you could probably have these conversations, but we know it's probably a lot of our friends that 10 years ago, if we was talking about having a podcast and we was businessmen, having mm-hmm. families married and stuff like that, they'll probably not only laugh, but for sure, sure, they wouldn't believe it. Even though they're our friend, they ain't going to tell us. They're like, boy, that might be dope, this and that. But they wouldn't even follow through with it. Because, again, if they ain't played sports consistently or if they weren't in college, they wouldn't have the brain capacity to, like, not quit or not – you know what I'm saying? They wouldn't be able to, like – Angle said they wouldn't be able to, but it'd be harder than somebody to have went, through, have went through those things through sport. I feel like playing a sport prepares you for real life world. Like when you got to run that extra mile and you ran track. So mm-hmm. like cardio is one of the worst, not worst, is one of the most challenging like sports if you like, you're trying to be very, very great at it because consistent yeah. running, consistent training and... Imagine yourself can't breathe. You know what I'm saying? Like, yourself yeah. not being able to breathe. That's how I feel after every training. When you do that session, or depending on what type of intervals you're doing, you're preparing your body for that race. So I feel like going back home and having conversations with some people, their brain ain't it ain't um, it just not clicking for them to like perceive or receive what you're saying. Like, mm-hmm. you can go back home again. And just talk. About, you can even be talking about your, your your game stats or something like that. But again, it's Portsmouth, and we know it's the norm. So it may be things going on, in they family and they like merge, and they like kids' life. So like, if you even if you is telling some positive, inspirational things, it's Portsmouth, and everybody can't survive in it. So mm-hmm. they brain be on a whole different capacity. Like it be on a whole different channel. So it's, it's like it's a blockage. Like, if I had to describe one word for it, it'd be a blockage for somebody escaping Portsmouth and coming back to speak with somebody that's having been really outside of Portsmouth. Because, like, I'll be 30 in May. What, you 30, 31, or something like that? 30. Yeah, like, so it's some people our age that they never experienced outside of portsmouth like it's people our age 30 and 30 years they never experienced outside of Hampton rose virginia they may have went to surrey county or something like that you know what yeah, i'm saying yeah. that or Rich like water country usa like virginia beach or something like that's the furthest they've been far as like seeing something different outside of portsmouth and they haven't seen that man like, like it can definitely be detrimental like to your livelihood because uh-huh. like, it's stuff out there, man, that could educate you, that could motivate you, and that could possibly, like, shape your life for the better. And, like, that's honestly, again, how I started, like, Green Hope. I'm like, I want to expose the young kids to something they ain't never seen. Or if they never get out of Portland, they never see it. Like, the STEM program and stuff like that. I never knew what a STEM program was until mid-college, after college. Yeah. You what I'm saying? I never, and like that's the God honest truth, like coming out of, and I like technology and stuff like that, but coming out of it, I never knew really what the STEM program was. But mm-hmm. if I can not only learn myself what it is and still expose other kids to it, and not only just other kids, my son, because I feel like I'm going to make sure he well prepared on the educational side and on the morally side that I didn't have. Mm Because Portsmouth, again, a lot of stuff you see that's normal, I don't want him to think, oh, killing somebody is normal. Selling drugs, like, that's what you're supposed to do. Although, like, rapping is a big thing, too. Shout out to all the, like, rappers and stuff that made it in Portsmouth. But that's not the only, you know what I'm saying? That's not the only job out here. Yeah. Like, that's not the only job out here. Like, you can be an engineer. You can create your own stuff. You can... Like man, the sky's the limit to how the world works now, man. So I just want to help expose and get all the resources out there to the youngins. To be honest with you, okay. But all that's right. just picking back off what you said. I know I was talking about a lot of stuff, man. Uh, I'm just excited to be. I'm just excited to be on the podcast, bro. Uh, but what you <laughs> were saying,
0: what you were saying is true, man. Because like, it's so many different viewpoints from Portsmouth, man. Like and like you mentioned earlier, man. Like I did the same thing like far as going back home sometimes and I see people who was doing the same thing that we was doing in 07, 08. and I'm like, okay, and then when I don't want to do what they're doing, I'm looked at it as, oh there, you change. And I'm yeah. like nah. I'm like, nah, I ain't changed, I just mature. Like why why are we still doing the same thing that we was doing back then? Yeah, facts. Oh, if we go go out, let's have
1: a business meeting while we out or something. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Let's talk some business. Like we,
0: <laughs> yeah. I, if yeah. I am
1: like, if I am go hit a blunt with you, man. Like let's create this business plan. You know what I'm
0: yeah. saying? <laughs> I I ain't trying to hit the blunt with you. Just keep talking. About, yeah, man. You see that bitch, man? I'm a goddamn, Bro, Like yeah, on. or keep talking
1: about the old days. Like we yeah. can talk about the old days, but I wanna I wanna progress for the future. You know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah. So let me ask you this. So you you graduate and you move back home, but you playing professional basketball?
1: Yeah, yeah, up in um, Providence, Rhode Island. I got the contract in 2014. I graduated in mm-hmm. 2013. Um, I got the contract going in 2014, November 2014.
0: Okay. How how did you manage to stay focused? but still, because you were still going back and forth at the time?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, to see you
0: was there, but then you'll go back home. Yeah, I'll go back home, yeah. How, how did you manage to stay above ground, but also still be able to live in Portland and not get sucked in? Um, man, true story, man. Like, again, it's like, I'm going to be like,
1: because it's surviving Portsmouth. And I feel like somebody go hear this one day and they didn't need to understand it. Like Portsmouth can like it has its pros and cons. Like it's plenty of professional athletes that came out of Portsmouth, plenty like celebrity rappers that came out of Portsmouth, plenty of entrepreneurs, plenty councilmen, plenty. Like it's some great people. It's, it's a great vibe when it has its times, but like, man, my first year coming back, the Portsmouth, like that summer, I was walking to one of my friend's house out um Lincoln Park, cause I just ain't even feel like driving, cause I was honestly drinking and stuff. And while I lived at and where Lincoln Park was at, it was only maybe a ten pop, like ten minute walk. Mm-hmm. So I'm walking there. I got a watch on, got earrings on, got like three hundred dollars in my pocket. You know what I'm saying? Like got Jordans on. Make a long story short, I get robbed. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, I get robbed, gunpoint. Like, give me all that. And, again, that right there clicked to me. Like, I ain't even trying to come back for real, for real. Like, if it wasn't for my son, like, if it wasn't for me coming, like, that's one of the main reasons why I stayed coming back and transitioning back to Portsmouth because of, like, my kid. If it wasn't for my son. I probably would have stayed away, probably found me a little apartment even down in North Carolina or something. You never mm-hmm. know. It's like situations can be different. So transitioning back, it was like that happened, then being transparent again, Because like, again, I want to be able to tell the young young brothers for all the young guys, young black men, white men, Hispanic, like choose wisely, like who you impregnate. You know what I'm saying? Cause mm-hmm. If you impregnate the wrong woman, like it can be it can be hell for eighteen years. You get what I'm saying? So even with that, just transitioning, like trying to see my son, like not even trying to get killed, then again, like you say, trying to like visit some of my friends or trying to visit like some people that's cool or family members or whatnot, but in the deep in the back of your mind, you like they ain't, like, they ain't changed. You get what I'm mm-hmm. saying? And now it's, like, in the Bible, like, God helped them who helped themselves. So, like, if you, from our, from our standpoint, from our perception, they may receive it as, oh, we trying to run some out life or we trying to, like, tell them what to do. But in all actuality, we just trying to tell them or we just trying to show them or inspire them that, boy, it's so many ways and it's so much more out here than just, what you may be doing or whatnot, or being a friend, if you be transferring to them, they may take it as offense and get, like, be offensive to it, and sometimes like, you just gotta fall back. So, when I was coming home, I was just falling back, like, just spending time with my son, like, spending time, like, with my immediate family and, like, some of my friends that's willing to, like, do some things that I was interested in because, like, now I don't even really go to no clubs or Oh, that's, I may go to a lounge, a Hookah, or something like that, yeah. happy hour. But it was times, like, I ain't even with... Cause I ain't, it was in the back of my mind, like, I don't want nobody to think I got this much money and, like, somebody robbed me. Because mm-hmm. it happened, like, bro, like, I came home in May, I probably got robbed late June. Like, late yeah. June, early July, whatnot. So, like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like, I ain't even really trying to... Um, I ain't really trying to come back. It was a lot of times i come back just to get my son to I dip. Yeah. So, like, the transition just coming back, it was like, I knew in the back of my head I ain't want to live in Portsmouth. Even if I had $5 million, mm-hmm. I wouldn't, you know what i my place of residence wouldn't want to be Portsmouth. I always want to come back to regentrificate or, like, expose kids and other adults and, like, help them out, but, far as actually living there because from what people told me who's successful now and became millionaires and like made a lot of money it's from portsmouth they said like you can't be reachable you know what i'm saying you can't make yourself like reachable to everybody like you can't be you can't make yourself accessible to everybody so i took that with me as transitioning playing professional basketball and working my way up to this entrepreneurship and just trying to be a businessman and just trying to be successful, it mm-hmm. clicked. Like, boy, I can't have a lot of people around me. that ain't on the same mind frame as me. I can't have, I can't be in certain places, like with certain people. Cause you never know who somebody got beef with in Portsmouth because there's always something going on, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's always like, it's always something going on. Like, I think Porsimum should have his own reality like show or something like that. I think like the mayor and I think they should definitely give Porsimal like their own reality show. Mm-hmm. Like it deserves it. You know what I'm saying? It's always some. it's always some type of excitement, whether it's good or bad. Maybe both. But it's always something going on. Like that's the only thing that I can really say. It was just like it was challenging. I think my whole life was challenging, honestly, man, but to whom much is given, much is required. And I feel like God got a big task for me or whatnot. So he been putting me through all these trials, tribulations, obstacles, and adversity for this prime point right now, even with this quarantine and stuff going on. Like, I just been like reading the Bible and transitioning again to what you said. That's what I used to do when I came back home. Like, I used to like read my Bible more. I used to, Cause my grandma was gone. She was the one that mm-hmm. made us go to church. She was the one that had us in church. So I'm like, God and bless me. Like make like to make money, love what I'm doing. You know what I'm saying? Like I gotta give him like some type of time. So I just started like let me let me backtrack. It wasn't until a month before I came back. Because after we won the championship, I hit the game-winning shot for us to win the championship, mm-hmm. and I'm like, man, this God's doing. It. To be honest with you, I just reposted that memory today of me yeah. hitting it. like it was. It was actually today. It was actually April twelfth, two thousand sixteen, when I hit the um, game-winning shot for us mm-hmm. to win the Benrus Pro, uh, the Benvers Professional Basketball Championship, whatnot. So it wasn't to them. I'm like, man, God is real. Cause like. Yeah. I ain't even know, like, that whole season, even me getting on the team, shout out to Quentin McDuffie to play with Nassim River. He had ended up getting a um, contract to Italy, so he passed up on the contract, and he, they told them about me, and I just had to take off, like, the next day after I believe, and go to training camp. I did, like, the first two, three days in training camp, I got offered the contract. Mm-hmm. Like, 24-game season, getting paid $550 a game per day. You know what I'm saying, traveling, housing. Um, shout out to Giovanni Ferrochi. He um, one of the senators in the state of Providence. We were living in his mansion, which that was worth like $3.4 million. That was called like the Wilton Estate. So, like, life was good. So, again, coming from Portsmouth, this small city, then being exposed, like, from Project Housing, living like nine grandkids in a three-bedroom house, like, all us on mm-hmm. top of each other to living in a full-blown mansion, bro, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, I want my friends to experience this, you know what I'm saying? Like transition to like what rappers and stuff say, because you know basketball, sports and music coincide hand with hand. each other, you know what I'm saying? They go hand in hand. So like listening to what rappers be talking about, a lot of that stuff, I'm like, it feel good because I'm doing it and I'm accomplishing, I'm accomplishing um these self goals, but it'll feel great if like your mans is with you or <clears throat> like, your mom right there, your mom ain't still, like, going through it or still in the hood or still, like, around that stuff. So, mm-hmm. again, man, it was just challenging because, like, you can become successful, but when you go back home, there's a lot of people that's, like, it ain't the norm for them. You know what I'm saying? Like, success being, like, I said, like it ain't, I, like, I don't think it's the norm. Like, now it's becoming the norm because, like, people, like, us and other people before us, they've been like Vernon, um, you, um, even like we can go across the water, like AI and stuff like that, because it's guards, point guards, somebody like my cousin Melvin, who like mimicked and was inspired by like AI and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. it's people like from surrounding the cities that like we inspired by and look up to, but just coming back and seeing that it ain't it ain't, like, it ain't normal, bro. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I can't mean, even, like, it's, sometimes it's disappointing and disturbing, because you, like, you want to help everybody in your city, but you know, but you can't. Like, you can't, know what I'm yeah. saying? And, like, you may not even have the funds, even if you wanted to, to, like, help everybody. Because, mm-hmm. like, I was just telling somebody, I was telling to Monte this, to play with us or what, word, and I was talking to him, I'm like, you can get somebody a million dollars, but, if they ain't got the mind, if they ain't got the knowledge and the wisdom behind that million dollars, then it's it's a blank, it's zero dollars. But you get them a million dollars worth of knowledge and wisdom, they go run that up to two million. They go run that up to four million. They go run mm-hmm. that up to a billion. Like if God willing, so it's like it's gonna be hard because you in you in a different lane than a lot of people. Like yeah. a whole lot of people. Like right now, man, you go back and just the average person. Like, out the hood or whatnot, they may look at us like we better than them. Like, nah, the whole time we ain't even better than you. We the same. We the equal, for real, for real. Yeah. You just using your time in an untimely manner, in an right. unwisely manner or whatnot. We all got 24 hours in a day. So when you go back home, you can see that a lot of people ain't using their 24 hours wisely or whatnot. So it kind of hurts you or whatnot. you like, yeah. dang, like. You know i saying? I want to help them, but you know you ain't gonna be able to help them.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Or so you wanna you wanna parlay with them, you wanna chill with them, but you know it's gonna be like wasted time. Nipsey Hussle said it, like one of the most valuable things you can get somebody is your time. And I'm like, I'm think, I'm growing big on that because like you can have conversations and the way God had the, the way I know how God worked now he can shake the room, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, he can shake the room and if you would touch and agree, whoever would you have that conversation with and, like, the sky's the limit for what, like, God would do after that because, like, I'm declaring and I decree right now from us having this conversation on your podcast, bro, I just feel like not only whoever heard this is going to touch him, but I hope they let their kids hurt so it can touch their kids. So we ain't only just helping one life, saving one soul. We doing it two times. You Know what I'm saying? Yeah. I just always wanna, and inst- I-, I wanna instill into the youth, man. Like, don't ever think social media and all that stuff is what it's cracked up to be, man. Because like what you see on social media is not, like that's it not is. what it is. You Know what I'm saying? It's a perception. Mm-hmm. It's a facade. Even with Somebody like Mayweather, like you may know he got a whole lot of millions of dollars, but there's a lot to come behind that. Like there's a lot to come with having money or whatnot. So that's another thing for us to piggyback what you said. I know I'm talking about a lot of stuff with what you're saying, but coming back home from a professional or just a successful person, coming back to Portsmouth, like the analogy crabs in the bucket is a lot of like, it's like, that's what it's known for. Like there's a lot of people that are, Try to trap you back in or whatnot. So if they think you got some money or whatnot, some people know how to manip- manipulate you and thank you they best friend. you Know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. They treat you like you God or whatnot. But that money run out, ain't no, te- ain't no telling where they gonna be at. You get what I'm saying? So
0: yeah,
1: like coming home, like knowing we done won championships, knowing like I'm doing good in basketball or whatnot. I had to be very, I had to be very strategic about who I was giving my time to who I was giving like, my energy to, mm-hmm. who I was giving and dropping jewels to, because if you're dropping jewels to somebody, they may think it's offensive, or they may think you think you're smarter than them, or something like that. So you gotta be able to communicate effectively where they ain't gonna take it like that. Like, they'll take it like, oh, he genuinely trying to help. Me. You know what I'm saying? He may not give me no money or something like that, but mm-hmm. he genuinely trying to like put me on the game. <laughs>
0: right. All right, so, you're closing out man what what's the next thing for your organization man the
1: next thing bro we got like and and green hope the umbrella of it is helping others progress efficient but it's cater and tailor to the youth as far as facilitating positive youth development through education recreation uh, community outreach, and skill development. And skill development, not only just basketball, but 2021, um, we have a football skills clinic, and also we'll have a uh, football all-star game, community outreach, community outreach all-star game. Definitely want you on the team. I'm, I'm saying? There. I told you already. <laughs> definitely definitely want you on the team. And, like, just install and expose the kids the different ways. Somebody like you, Julius, um, Joe Powell. Quan Saunders, um, Trey Ryland, guys like y'all who, like, I think master the football task as far as going to college, um, playing pro, you know what I'm saying, and Mm -hmm. being outstanding athletes, even at the high school level. I feel like y'all got the knowledge, wisdom, and understanding that y'all be able to, like, teach and motivate inspire all the other young kids. But with basketball, we got one of the um, greatest – all-Star games is about to come out called the um seven five seven top twenty basketball showcase. Shout out the um Carmelo Swenson and Jamal Brown. They're gonna be mm-hmm. playing on the middle school in the middle school games. We got some of the top girls in the state playing um in the high school games. We got um Pierre Vivens, I mean PF Bibbins um and Greyhounds Elite playing in the um youth league games, seven to nine year olds. So right after quarantine, man, I plan on like all this time. I just been like thinking the ways I can help, like my city, you know what I'm saying? Like we've been talking about surviving Portsmouth. I want to show them like we young black men that survived Portsmouth, although we not living there no more, but we still coming back to help like our our young brothers, our young sisters. Mm -hmm. I'm also having, um, I plan to have a young women's expo and a young men's expo. Even what we doing now, like show and, show and create different vibes for young kids to let them know you ain't got to just be a drug dealer a rapper like you can make money being a podcast host and stuff like that you can make money being an entrepreneur with like creating the next um software for macbook or something like that creating the next type of printer or something that can you can use bluetooth like, telephone ring it or something. I actually talk on the printer or something. Yeah. <laughs> Another form of communication. So the sky's the limit, like, with Green Hope. And I just want to, like, partner with whoever got like-minded ideas or whoever that can help me or however I can help them, man. Like, that's honestly what, like, like what I've just been thinking about during this time of crisis and pandemic.
0: Okay. And, th- and that's, that's great right there, man. Sign me up, especially for the All-Star game.
1: Yeah man, I'd be able to play in that. Yeah 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 oh, yeah
0: for yeah school. definitely
1: sign me yeah, up. Yeah 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 for sure. We um the 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 scope has to be um basically it's gonna be a clinic. After the clinic, if um we get enough players for the high school middle school level, it's gonna be flagged, let the kids and stuff play showcase their talents and stuff for the mm-hmm. community. And then we are gonna have an adult community outreach game and just to show them black people in Portsmouth can be in a big crowd all at once and then not be violent. Like, mm-hmm. cause you get a bad name for violent, I know we've been talking about like the survival and like how we overcame a lot of obstacles or whatnot. But deep down inside, like, people like us and other people that we done met, like, it's, it's love, you know what I'm saying? Like when it's love, it's love, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, it's like, that's what I want to do. Like, how you say it, like, it ain't been organizations and stuff to do that other than the ones that been created a couple years ago um, as far as, like, um, Dodo and them, as far as, like, the stuff that you got going on now, the stuff Vernon been doing. And I'm just taking from them, like, boy, let's add it on. Let's keep building. You know what I'm saying? Imagine, imagine once all of us link up and it become a big extravaganza. Like... Mm-hmm. It's only go it's only gonna make the not only the city better but I feel like it's gonna get national like exposure because this small city and there's a lot of pain in it you get what I'm saying there's a lot of yeah. pain in it there's a lot of joy in it as well but there's a lot of pain in it because like we undersized and a lot of stuff gets swept under the rug like I feel like they made high meet Mill said one day, kids getting killed every day, but it don't be on national television. You know what I'm saying? I want to say when the year 2020 just started, I want to say the first two, three days, it was a killing each day. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, so, like, it shows you, like, how thorough, like, it is or whatnot. Like, back then, again, I know we closing or whatnot, but back then you couldn't even come out, like, certain projects and stuff. I'm not saying I'll be the one running you home, but it was certain individuals yeah. and stuff like if you if ain't nobody knew you out there, you just couldn't like come out there and stuff like that. Like, yeah, without I never doubt, knew what it was about sometimes. But in the back of my mind, I'm like, you can't go out like just anybody like project and stuff like yeah. that. And think stuff sweet. I just thank God that I was cool enough with everybody and stuff, so I ain't had no problems. <laughs>
0: yeah, without a doubt, man, and <laughs> I um. I personally want to say thank you for coming up here, man. And I really appreciate you taking out, taking your time to do this show with me, man. Yeah, bro. This is like my first time doing this too, man. I hope I did good. Nah, you did good, man. <laughs> and, um, shout out to everybody
1: tuning in when they do hurt.
0: All right. And <laughs> um, let everybody know where they can um, find you at if you want to shout out your social media
1: Okay, yeah, they can. Um, on on Facebook is Green Hope Foundation Incorporated, and that's Green Dash Hope Foundation Incorporated. Um, on Instagram it's Green Underscore Hope Inc, which stands for Incorporated. Um, on Twitter Green Hope Two Thousand Eighteen. That's when it was founded, Two Thousand Eighteen. Oh yeah, and we also I know you said what else we got coming up. Um, even though the pandemic and stuff going on, we gave a scholarship fund to two seniors $500 a piece last year and I want to um, do it even big this year. So even if they don't get it or they, ain't, they can't go to school in August or whatnot, I still want to raise money and help like kids get extra little scholarship money because going to college, when you talk about that, you know, sometimes we were having to eat noodles and mm-hmm. like, it was savage life sometimes. So yeah. if I can be a blessing and help kids get a little bit of money in their pocket, man, for they grades and for doing they doing what they
0: supposed to do, man, doing good. Oh man, helping them out, man. Alright. Alright, man. Thank y'all for tuning in to Surviving Portsmouth. And nigga, I came up on that Portsmouth shit. Uptown, downtown. City, Ooh. we run bang, bitch. them
1: back don't say it's all of that no